0: Welcome to Canada's Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Canada's Podcast. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett, and uh, based out of Atlantic Canada, hanging out with rock star entrepreneurs. And I got a goodie with us today, a great friend, a great colleague, a great supporter of the entrepreneurship ecosystem throughout the region, Mr. David Alston, hanging out. If I remember correct, David, you're based at a homestead in Grand Bay. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hang on. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on uh, on Canada's podcast. Just thrilled to, to have you here, David, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you that don't know him, which many do, I used to joke about the fact that uh, I, I dream about Atlantic Canada region where kids before they go to bed, and you know, you've heard me say this before, David, would say, "I don't want to hear a fairy tale. I want to hear the story about David Olson." that's my joy. <laughs> You are nightmare
1: stories so kids would be having nightmares all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you start Iron Body Entrepreneurship in the region and you know you were one of the founding board members founding members of Radiant 6, you were the entrepreneur residence with the government of New Brunswick, you have been constantly helping the ecosystem move forward. And before I dive into what you're doing now because we're not going to tell that Radiant 6 story it's been told. We're not going to talk the stories about the contributions. We're going to talk about you, the entrepreneur, today. But before I begin, tell us what you tell us what you're seeing about the entrepreneurship kind of atmosphere, infrastructure, community in Atlantic Canada. Just give us a high level view from your perspective.
1: Well, it's been great to see um, all the entrepreneurs uh, that I've been working with uh, really adapt to. I guess really what the pandemic threw at them, in terms of you know this massive disruption. I mean, the entire world has been hit the big old reset button. So all every company had to go back to square one to figure out what they're going to do, um, how they're going to handle it. And you know, whenever there's a disruption, as, as you know as an entrepreneur, that means there's an opportunity for the uh, players and the rankings to shift. And so I think the smart entrepreneurs, the smart business owners, are the ones that. Look at this and say, you know, it's going to be a challenge, but there's also an opportunity to potentially grow, maybe adapt, uh, take on a new, take on some on something new, find new people, uh, grow the organization, invent a new product, whatever it is. And I think we're seeing a lot of that in Atlantic Canada. No doubt, though, of course, there's certain sectors that have really been pummeled when it comes to you know, like the tourism sector uh, Mm -hmm. and a few others. You know, the service, food service sector, all that uh, hotels. I mean, though there is some rebound happening, it's certainly they took a big hit, and um, but I, I'm seeing that resilience. I think Atlanta Canadians uh, have always had to be resilient because yeah. honestly, you know, it's not like we have a massive uh, market sitting right on our doorstep that we can kind of like sell to. We have to go, we have to export, we have to find customers, we have to be innovative, we have to find, you know really creative ways and uh, to keep costs down and keep the quality up or find ways to, you know, bundle services together and that maybe in other markets, you don't have to do that, you can just kind of specialize. So I've seen a lot of resiliency, I've seen a lot of um, um, just, I don't know, it's been great. It's been really encouraging to see, honestly, to see how entrepreneurs have really reacted through this last couple of years.
0: There doesn't seem to be a lot of quote unquote whining. There seems to be a, a lot of let's get to it. Let's just bring everything really, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you know Haley Bohan from St. John. You probably do. She's, uh, she's a marketing uh, guru. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the reason, anyway, I, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had a conversation with her. She says, Rivers, she says, this is what entrepreneurs are made of. It's just another freaking day. It's just mm-hmm. whether it's a lost customer or, you know, or staff member, pandemic, whatever we face, this stuff all the time. So yeah, exactly. uh, we get on with it and it's it's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I agree with the resiliencies there. And, uh, you know, we've kind of been dealing with that for decades and decades uh, being the underdog in our region, and I think that's really starting to shine now, as we as we focus in on what do we do now. And interestingly enough, of course, the quality of life now adds on. I mean, immigration is up in New Brunswick uh, more than it's ever been. Not necessarily because of countries, but because of the other people in Canada that come and say, "I want to hang out there." It looks like a yeah. cool spot.
1: Well, you, you, you know, you know, the, our region, Saint John, uh, where I'm, where I'm at. Um, I don't think I've, I've seen so many cranes in the skyline as I do right now. Yeah. And again, I would never have predicted that a pandemic yeah. would be the time when the resurgence would be happening and the growth would be happening. I, I would not, I I'm sure you and I would would have bet money yep. on that. Like you just, yep. you would assume it'd be all about contraction and, and totally. you know, worry and, and, you know, like you gotta like, Soft your money away. But I think what we're seeing is like, like you said, a ton of demand of people moving to Atlantic Canada, uh, to, to New Brunswick. They're seeing that quality of life, the whole aspect of work at home, you know, work yeah. from anywhere is kicked in. Um, so people are like, you know what? Uh, and affordability of homes. Uh, so, you know, certainly we've seen some, um, a great influx starting to happen, uh, and continuing. And it's really up to us as Atlantic Canadians to figure out a way to continue to fan those flames uh, in terms of growth and recognize that we've always had these amazing assets here. It's just people right. maybe just didn't recognize them; they, they weren't looking. So now they're looking. So now right. we right. Need, need to make sure that we can find a way to meet that demand and continue yeah. to grow. I, 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 I'm sure, you know what? There's no reason why New Brunswick can't be a million people you know, in, in, within the next 10 years or so. There's no reason.
0: No reason at all. We sure have got the space, that's the sure. Oh, you've got a lot of space, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's represented across the country, or sorry, across the region too, and, and mm-hmm. other, I think yeah, be a little bit more condensed, but uh, definitely in Nova Scotia and uh, Newfoundland. Well, look, you, you you touched on a spot where you said you can work anywhere in uh, now, but you recently pivoted, and I say pivot, I don't know if it pivoted or just... Started a new direction. I mean, you were an IT guy. That's what your brand was based upon. And then you and your family and your colleagues started this thing called Timber Top Adventures, which is not about working anywhere. And yet, we were talking about earlier, your business actually thrived through the pandemic. So take us through the journey of Timber Top because I, like many others, kind of looked at that twice. And we said, David Alston's doing what? Because that's not who you are that we know. So why talk about Timbertop as a you know as the value proposition and what intrigued you to put your resources behind it? Talk about that first six months. Well, here's the thing. With me, I love
1: building things. I love that part of the startup journey, the startup, you know, the scene. Uh some some people like the, the kind of the operations of a startup. You know, once it starts to get in place, like they're more of an operator where I'm more of a builder. So if you look back over my journey, you know, yes, most of my kind of like uh, adventures, you know, no pun intended, were in the IT sector, but it was usually building things and then getting to the point where the thing was at an operational stage and then jumping to some, the next thing and building something. Right, I think you're a builder as well. I mean, you love building, yeah, hundred percent. So, so for me, it was like you know, I've been doing a lot in the tech sector, um, but it was like you know, a part of me was when I was a kid, I was outdoors all the time. That was my innovative building phase. I was building stuff across my dad's farm, uh, my my dad and mom's farm in in outside of Sussex, two hundred acres, pond, trees rivers gravel pits you name it you know it was all kinds of stuff barns hay so it was every morning you woke up and you're like what am i going to build today what am i going to go you know i remember my poor dad uh having to deal with one building phase i went through where i was building massive tunnels uh uh, in in kind of like underground uh, almost like igloos out of the square bales of hay up in the map in the hay map and so it was all summer long, build this entire network, and I'm and I, <laughs> I'm sure if you had hit a microphone on my dad in the mouth as he was going up to get the hay, you know, he'd be falling through into all of these things, like, you know, right? He'd be stepping on some of the. shoes he'd be like, oh, geez, you know, because it was just riddled throughout the mouth, right? But I mean, that was me. I always liked taking on something, being creative, thinking it through. And I love a challenge, you know that as you know, when you start off with some brand new idea, it's com- there's a ton of unknown. there's a ton of learning that has to happen yes. right um, you're starting from zero often, and so if I went into another tech business, I wouldn't be starting at zero, so it wasn't as much Obviously, it'd be fun, but it wouldn't be as much fun as picking something that was completely right. opposite. But keep in mind, you also have to work on something you're passionate about, right mm-hmm. generally, that's a good idea so Often, a lot of your stuff you get into, I can see your passion. I can, I can, you know, you have different passions that you're involved in, and often cooking has got a piece of that, right? Or the shop or the food, there's there's something aspect of that. So, with me, I mean, I'd really never explored the outdoor part in a long time since I was a kid. So, I really started enjoying getting out into the woods. That first six months, honestly, was wandering around the woods, trying to figure things out, making phone calls, talking to different vendors that supplied that industry in the early adventure park business. And my philosophy of a startup is every day, try to find a way to kill the idea before you start it, before you actually put a dollar in it or a lot of dollars in it. Start to try to kill the idea.
0: Well, okay, so, so kill can be regarded as kill as not knocking out of the park or kill could be... Like dead. What do you mean dead. by kill? Well, I guess you were
1: actually, you know what? It's probably both, honestly, uh, okay. in a way. But I think I'd start off with try to kill it to dead. And if you can't kill it to dead, then you might be able to kill it in terms of success. Uh, okay. Cool. Love it. Yeah. So I like the, kind of the twist you put on it. But, um, but so honestly, I spent six months basically trying to kill the idea because usually. You know, uh, the idea came more or less from when we were on vacation. Like, I don't know about you. Whenever I'm on vacation, you're
0: seeing all kinds of new ideas, you're meeting new people. Right? I always say that being an entrepreneur is the most wonderful curse you'll ever go through. Oh, of course. <laughs> you never can relaxed. Like, I might never. get a
1: day in, and then I'm starting to see ideas. And I'm talking yeah. to people, and I'm seeing stuff. So <laughs> oh, Mary Gwen, my wife, she's just yeah, as you you know her, she's like yeah. eventually just gives up and just says, Okay, I'm gonna go along with this every vacation. Yeah. He's gonna be going on and she brainstorms with me and stuff. So yeah. this idea kind of came out of a vacation we had done in Canmore, uh, as a family, Canmore and oh, Banff, And so beautiful spot, wonderful outdoor, you know, stuff that you can do there. And we always do stuff outdoors as a family whenever we, we did travel. So that kind of reignited this idea of like there's doesn't, there, there's no air and adventure park in the St. John area. Um, and, you know, I think we could do something really incredible, something different. I mean, New Brunswick has some of those, but it, yes. I, I, we imagine something different than that. And so it was really an exploration over that first six months to the point where eventually it's like, you know what, I can't seem to kill the idea. So I think that means the idea needs to survive and it needs to be built. Like and so it was kind of like I had it was almost like I hadn't we had no choice. We had to build it. Cause it was like it <laughs> was crazy to not. Sleep, to right?
0: What's that? You had to get some sleep. So yeah, exactly. Moving on. That's good. It's good. We're going on with it. Exactly. We're gonna go here or we're gonna kill it.
1: One of the two, but it's it looks like it'd be silly to kill it, so we're gonna have to do it. You
0: and did you uh, and did you you know, you talked about the uh that you were gonna do it differently, you've heard me say many a times that you succeed in life, not alone business. when uh, you zag what everybody else is. So talk mm-hmm. about that. Talk about that differentiation, because there are similar uh, activities, locations, if you want to call it that, uh, in Brunswick. Um, so how's, how is Timbertop different from those experiences? Uh, and did you evolve into that difference? Or you, right from the beginning, you know, this is the difference.
1: Right from the beginning. So like... It was more about building something that would be like I often talk to when they talk to startups, I say you should build um, like the viral nature of the idea and the experience right into the product from the start.
0: Don't. Okay. What do you don't mean So yeah, what I mean, like mean is. Product. Yeah. So viral as in people can't help but want to talk about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. there's right? there Hopefully in a better. great way. Right. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, like, and it should
1: be try to like try to be special in every aspect of the business, so that you know, not everyone's going to hone in on one thing. But if you have if you're special all across the board, people are going to word of mouth is just going to happen. People will just be so excited about it and want to tell their friends. Right? That's the best thing. Rather than take something that's just like everything else and then try to wrap marketing around it, which you can do, but it's a lot. It is hard and it costs a lot of money to do that when you have, instead of coming up with a differentiated special product. So, yep. that's what we did, honestly. I mean, I, I remember like things like, um, rather than, than going and getting a builder to build it, like most parks would be built by a builder. And, and it, that it specializes in this kind of thing. And there are builders around North America that you could write a check to and they can come in and they'll build you a park. The problem is they build you a park like everyone else's park. Yeah. So, it's the same thing. So, you lose the differentiation. So, instead, it was, and honestly, with the size of our market, there's no way we can afford to build a special park in a market our size and write a check that then is going to actually make you money in the end, right? It doesn't right. work. We have to think right. outside the box. So, it was like, okay, instead, can we find a couple of builder, people that have built parks that are willing to consult with us to build our own capacity of our own building team, and then certify that after, so that we know we did everything perfectly. So we have kind of like the best of both worlds. We learn the techniques. We become a builder and an operator at the same time.
0: Is your dad still with us? Yes, he must have just been thrilled going through this journey with you. You had to have <laughs> to involved with him. Well,
1: I think it was like my dad. I don't think he really thought I had it in me in terms of building things with my hands as I was. I was probably he was always busy in the farm like taking care of stuff and I was off doing different things but anything I would have been built would have been not necessarily it would have been just tacked together or something right so it was actually probably 20 years ago when I completely renovated a house we bought from like with you know help of lots of different trades but they couldn't believe that I'd actually pick up a hammer and saw and do these kinds of things right so I think he got he had gotten over that like 20 years ago. So the fact that is you know, he's he's always been an entrepreneur himself. He's always done some stuff, building things and creating stuff. So I get a bit of that, I think, from him. So, sure. so yeah. Anyway, uh, but different things like that. Um, I'm trying to figure out the the, the actual um, challenges because an aerial adventure park basically is a combination of zip lines and challenges between trees. Um, yes. And. And usually they bridges or this or that, or their pull- pulleys are involved or, or, or sorry, sorry, yeah, zip line pulleys are involved. Like it, but the idea is to create kind of a challenge. How am I going to get from this tree to the next tree and through this challenge, right? And I have to use my strength. I have to use my brain. Um, you know I have to kind of think through the problem. And so I literally probably spend, I don't know, 100 hours on YouTube, literally going through first-person shooter videos or promotional videos, And then I'd see some kind of challenge and go, Whoa, I haven't seen that before. I'd take a freeze, freeze grab, uh, you know, a screen grab, throw it in a file, print off a stack of photos at Walmart. I swear it was this high of all these different things. Right. And we literally sat down with that consultant with our builder and said, Okay, how would you build that? And they like draw it all out. You know, so then it was like, Okay, how would you build that? And we spent like, I think 10 hours straight doing that with the consultant. By the time we were done, our builder, who's an, main builder was an incredible builder that i would known since I was a kid. He literally had started to figure out all the kind of like the building blocks. So then we knew how to build it. Like it was like, okay, that's like this, but just a little bit different. And that's like this, but a little bit different. So, you know, and then through just working with the consultants, we figured it out. So the point is we were building a different product. Right. We are doing things differently. We are trying to get out of the box in terms of cost structure. We we're trying to, you know, and honestly, all those decisions plus probably another twenty or so that are differentiated yeah. have all created, you know, a product, including, for example, recruiting staff rather than.
0: Yeah, phone. I was just going to ask you that. I told that's so cool. We are alike. Talk about that for a second because you're a brand guy, right? You can't, you know, it's just like you can't have Mickey Mouse smoking a cigarette. It doesn't work. So, how did you, what was the focus on the team to represent the brand? Talk a bit about that because that's important.
1: Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. So, again, try, you try to create these, I call them, well, I guess it's a common phrase, but unfair competitive advantage. So, like, yeah. what are the things built in that give you an advantage? Well, one of the things we had was our operations manager also was a teacher and he taught at a middle school locally. Okay. Yes. And he still does. Uh, and so he has a summer's off. So that's it works well for him. Sure. He works in the summer. And then there's weekends, obviously. He double dips on the weekends in terms of like having to work five days a week as a teacher and then all weekend. He's an incredible <laughs> worker, great entrepreneur, love it. Okay, yeah. um, But he also, his class, he teaches every kid in the class because he teaches technology. And so he got to know all the, I call them entrepreneurial leadership-oriented kids in that school. But he also knew other teachers that also knew entrepreneurial kids in other schools. So, and plus our kids were still just, you know, graduating and stuff. So when we went, literally, when we were going to these, uh, you know, the awards ceremonies, we we're like, yeah. okay, what's that name, person? Okay, we got to. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like we're just like, we were scouts. We were like, okay, I like that. They have a lot. Of, oh, won four awards in leadership. Okay, they're on the list. And then we
0: recruited. Okay.
1: And what the idea was is that we create, we, and honestly, even on the website, we say we're looking for leaders. Yeah. Leaders, we're looking for leaders. We're not looking for staff, we're looking for leaders, and we're looking for entrepreneurs. And we're gonna, we're gonna empower you, we're gonna give you aspects of the business to learn. And so each one of the, especially in the early days as we were building, we'd be include we treated it like a startup. We got these, they'd be in high school, they'd be in First year, second year of university, but we're bringing them in and we're exposing them to the business, the mechanics of what makes it tick, the experience we're trying to create. And we we're open. We didn't just say you're a kid. We're only going to give you this stuff. Do this, repeat. You know, no. You're gonna uh, you're gonna be problem solving with us. You're gonna be helping to fix things as we go. We're gonna be tweaking things, making them better. We want your ideas, right? And so by doing that, the they had their chance to be exposed to a lot more stuff, buy into the whole idea, and they were literally creating their own park. They're creating their own business with us, right? So, what the incredible part of that is, uh, Rivers, is that you know we—it's almost like we we're we were trying to out Disney Disney in terms of experience, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, you know, often when you go into a business that's run by you know teens or university students. You're, and this is unfortunate, but often we'll go, oh, drop our expectations. Right. Right? right. Which, is, which is unfair, but often happens. And it's like the... So the expectations, when someone came to us, they saw, oh, we have a whole bunch of teens. they were like probably thinking, oh, probably not going to be great. But we blow them away. Every single one would be, how are you? Great, greet, lots of smiles, greeting. How, you know How was your day? Are you having fun? The whole bit. And so, what's incredible about that is, we have—if you check out our reviews, 99% of those reviews will always talk about our staff and how incredible they are.
0: And and your staff and you just were nominated for a national award, were you not?
1: Yeah, so we're fortunate to be nominated. um, I think it's uh, with the the national, the Canadian Tourism Association. it's I think it's outstanding business achievement Air Canada award or something like that. Yeah, that's right. um, Air Canada award, Yeah, yeah, and so we're up against two other uh, I believe I forget the name of the the Ice Hotel and I forget the name of it Quebec City and also uh, uh, a company that does video projection stuff in out of Montreal I think or maybe it's Toronto but, uh, but yeah
0: that's awesome and of course I mean your team would be very excited about that why I mentioned that is because <laughs> is because what you have to understand ladies and gentlemen TimberTop has not been around for 25 years you're like less than five years is that fair to say yeah we just know? wrapped what? up our fourth season yeah, yeah. so yeah or yes. this weekend we are yeah yeah well congratulations on that you know experiences are really about the it is an experiential economy right now and i think that mm-hmm. those people that push the edge and 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 from a from a um a lesson perspective for the entrepreneurs that are leaning in here, I always like to teach them and be can touch on it is that you can actually charge a premium price because of that experience. So you, how, how do you how do you figure out what you, besides the bottom line, you said or say, no, I got a premium experience here and I need the price to reflect that? Yeah, so, so
1: it's a premium price though at the same time it's a, I'll call it a, Discounted price in a way because number one, most the aerial adventure parks in our province um, would be would have five courses. We have twelve, okay. so we're like over almost two and a half times the size of that. Um, wow. We have we we have a different model in terms of you have three hours of play time uh, on our main courses. Uh, you, can tr- you can you can you ch- can you can climb in them any order you want. You have three hours of play. It's almost like going to a ski hill. Where the, the other models are more uh, golf course models, which is yep. you play a yep. course, you play the next one, oh, it's getting too hard, I drop out, you're done. So, you know, it's kind of like you're usually you'd be getting more time, more courses, you have the gear we're using is locking carabiners, so you're locking on the courses, so like the, you you get that extra kind of like, as a parent, you're saying, oh, good, that means my kid, once they leave, they're not going to be standing on a platform 50, you know, 40 feet up yep. going, Oh my gosh you're not connected so there's like those aspects again those are part of that overall how do we knock it out of the park in every level and so i'd say we're charging a slight premium over the kind of the going rate but if you consider all of that stuff we could probably charge double but we're not you have have to price it for your market too your market only has so much elasticity right so we try to we honestly i think everyone loves the the bargain like in terms of the value they're getting and I and we see that so that's the best you can do from that perspective
0: yeah well and and i don't want it to you know i i think the important piece of my message is it you know it's it, it i always say we we share with relish gourmet burgers we were premium priced, but we weren't expensive right and so exactly. it, it just really allowed us to, to be that differentiator ask for people to ask why and then ultimately deliver three or four times the value of that um, you got a second, you got a second timber top uh, opening? Or is yeah.
1: So, yeah. So this is part of, again, the resilience part. So yeah.
0: yeah.
1: as you know, probably by just looking at like <laughs> the fact that, you know, we have snow or we have winter weather half the year, I'd like, let's say Florida that might have be able to have a tourism operation and be, you know, have people coming all year round. We obviously up in Canada have to deal with, a winter season and a summerish season, and obviously the shoulder season. So um, the idea was, look, we've got all this equipment. We do have staff that we want to keep around uh, potentially with the with a lot. We've invested a lot in their knowledge. Yes. Um, so how do we create an experience where we can take that existing equipment, all that gear we have that sits there for six months and does nothing, and how do we create a winter experience? Because that's the other thing. There's not a lot of things you can do in the wintertime. I mean, there is, but there isn't. You know, like it's not like summer where you can literally just go outside and you know do stuff. And you know, we, usually in winter you have, you plan for things, right? You you right. plan for a hike or you plan to go skiing or whatever. But there's, well, we look at the market. There's no winter ziplining experience in the Maritimes, in the three provinces, you know, our province and the two adjacent ones. So it's like, you know, I think there's an opportunity to create some kind of cool experience. And again, not to just create something that everyone else has done, but let's be differentiated. So. Uh, Marcel LeBren and his wife Sheila, and Marcel used to be at Radiant Sex, so good friend. Um, they own a, a, a ranch, uh, a nonprofit uh, in Steiner Mountain, which is about an hour away. And um, they run camps in the summertime, but in the wintertime, they generally it's, it's not used as much. Um, some winter camps, but um, beautiful forest, 500 acres, beautiful forest, ranch, horses. It's just magical when you're there in the wintertime to see all the snow on the trees, and it's a beautiful
0: setting. And yeah, so, of, I mean, just for perspective for people listening, it's just outside of Sussex, right?
1: That's right, just outside yeah. of Sussex. And uh, what's cool about it is that what we were able to do is create a zip line course last wintertime. That's when you build courses, is when the trees are dormant. So, we built this zip line course, yeah. and it goes way out into the woods. And then at the end of the woods, we built this uh, like a lean-to and we'll have like fire and you can sit around and, and, and kind of warm up. And then we'll have horse and sleigh come. You'll get on the horse and sleigh and go all the way back on the trip back on the horse and sleigh back to the ranch. And it's like, a t- like as far as I know, it's the only combination like that in the entire world, but maybe there's something somewhere. But it, it creates this, hopefully, like a draw, right? And the beautiful thing about, I guess, in Sussex, is that it kind of is epicenter between the three kind of major cities in New Brunswick, yep, right? In yep. St. John. So, and so, you know, people jumping in the car, 40 minutes, hour, they're there, they're having some fun. It's kind of a fun experience for them to do. It's unique. Um, and, you know, honestly, Sussex is kind of known for its winter sports because it's got this, the the pulley mountain. Oh, yeah. It's got yeah. like a lot of people do snowmobiling. A lot of people do ATV stuff. Uh, so, and it's got like the, a lot of different heights, like the Parley Brook Amphitheater and even the Midland Ice caves. So it's become almost like a where well, you go for winter activities. So it's already got a bit of that momentum. So us joining that fray, I think, is going to be good,
0: too. Again, another lesson, ladies and gentlemen, is coming off of that. David said, OK, I want to grow. Are there other resources that exist? I don't have to re- I don't have to bah. recreate it. I can. Oh, I got my friend Marcel, who's an entrepreneur. It brings value to him, brings value to you. And there's a lot of those quote-unquote joint venture opportunities that exist for entrepreneurs around the region to lock arms with uh, somebody. I just, uh, with my business, Chef Thoreau right now, I'm connected with a, a food incubator out of, uh, out of Chicago who was interested in our company working with their chefs. It's all perfect, perfect stuff. You just think perfect. how you can bring value to each other. That's what you've got. Exactly. You so know the so other- cool.
1: The, the aspect of that, of course, is that it comes down to resources. And again, I think we have, as land Canadians, we often have to think about, we can't build it all. So how do we partner? How do we right. you know, create joint joint value? And so exactly. like, as an example, a spinoff bonus for uh, Snyder Mountain Ranch is during the summer camps, they were able to offer zip, uh, a portion of the course as a zip line experience no, to actually. all the campers. And we came no. down and we operated that for them as part of the deal. So they win, we win. You know, hopefully customers win this winter when they come and experience it. So.
0: so, we still got more stuff happening with David also. And I promise in just 40 minutes, but we're going longer, David, because it's such a great story. You tell me if you got to go, because the next know, step from right there is this church. David decides, <laughs> Mary Gwen decides, and he's right. Mary Gwynn and I are friends a long time ago. And I sometimes wonder what she does when you go off with your ideas. but uh great support for you uh is that i'm gonna not buy a church you actually had the indoor component that you wanted to bring talk about this and this by the way ladies and gentlemen is happening during the pandemic so mm-hmm. it's the resilience piece let's go do more let's innovate let's really look at the resources that exist back to you on the church the next the next part of your your entrepreneur story <laughs> which is so far away from an it although Although, when you started Brady Six, weren't you in some sort of a barn somewhere in uh, St. Mary's? I think in the area it was.
1: We, so, I mean, yeah, we were eventually in a house for a while there, but we started off in the, like the same two offices in the NRC. Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Right. Anyway, So,
1: sure yeah. So, I will say, you know, like Mary Gwen is often not on these interviews. She prefers to, she doesn't, she likes, she says you take on these interviews and stuff but we are we are partners on this we're, you know we're partners on these ventures and, and honestly i wouldn't be doing awesome. any of this stuff without mary gwen because you know all the stuff that i'm not necessarily really good at in terms of the operation side the finance side the hr side you know, all the inner workings of a business as you know bills got to yeah. be paid people need to be paid you know uh, all that yeah. kind of stuff she's taken that on though she has said the church is the last one <laughs>
0: Yeah. Like, there will be no more.
1: I don't know what that means because I already told you every four years I got to build something. I, I know, know You're a builder. I mean. What's that? You're a builder. I know. So I'm not as sure what I'm going to do in four years from now. I'll have to invent some new idea to convince <laughs> her but I don't think she's going to be convinced again because often what happens of course is that she continues to add these to her back office stuff and it's, yeah. it's a seven day a week job for her too. So uh, she's kind of a lot, she's being pulled along the journey, so she's fantastic and she's doing great. But uh, so a, a good lesson is make sure you have a partner that is in it and and loves what they're doing too, and is in a, a fantastic partner to be 100%. with. So uh, the church, honestly, again, it was this idea like <laughs> <laughs> partly came the out church. of that trip again. Sorry, yeah, the I'm church just laughing about it. It's got a name, the church. <laughs> the church. Well, actually, it's we, we call it. Climb, the, the business name is Climb 1884. And okay. the idea is uh, the building, the church was built in 1884, erected. Um, 100, so 137-year-old church, Gothic architecture, amazing stained glass windows, like absolute works of art, uh, this cool venue. We're, this is not the first time a climbing gym would be built inside a church. There are ones in Quebec. I think there's some, maybe there's some in Ontario. Uh, there's some in the States. There's some, lots in Europe. but. Uh, but it's still a unique venue to build because you have you have this great height inside a church, right? In terms of climbing up, and this is a ropes gym. We're not we're not like there are bouldering gyms out there in their market, so we're focused on mainly ropes oriented, so like top rope lead climbing, a lot of belay climbing, that kind of thing. Um, and the idea is to basically build inside this church. Uh, and to, uh, the church was empty for the last three years. Uh, the diocese was getting rid of it. They, plus the rectory next door. We ended up buying both of them, uh, because they were a package deal. So the rectory is now up for sale, but, um, yeah, the church basically is this beautiful piece of architecture. And it was, we, like Mary Gwen and I speak to the church for a second, Mary Gwynn and I were married in a church, uh, that no longer exists. Because okay. it was a beautiful church and they tried, eventually the congregation shrunk. This is a common yep. story. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. They, they they sold it. The, the new organization tried to make a go of it, tried to make like, to, you know, to invent some, uh, a way to pay the bills and pay the heat and keep it going, but eventually couldn't do it. It's now beautiful condos that are built on top, which is amazing asset to have, but churches, if, our buildings if but there are no longer churches and if you can't find a sustainable way a business inside them they will eventually have to go some like you know what i mean they can't survive forever so we feel that this is a way to preserve this piece of history and at the same time fill a need that there's no other ropes gym dedicated ropes ropes gym like this in the province and this is amazing amount of climbing, that uh, outdoor climbing around the Saint John area. Literally, it's the epicenter of ropes climbing in the Maritimes, probably even Atlantic Canada in a way, because uh, there's like over a thousand routes outdoors that have been created by the amazing organization called the Saint John Brunswick, and so and all the volunteers. So, while well, we have this amazing outdoor asset that probably a lot of people don't even know, and we have this growing, growing um, industry around climbing just take a look at the olympics it now includes climbing so it was really like how do we how do we create again uh another adventure thing this time indoors that if we're able to have staff that we can you know like for example if i we can't afford a full-time marketer for any one of the businesses but if we could get three now we can do a full-time marketer you see what i'm saying totally that could be work part-time for both you know so And same thing for books. Like if everyone really like she's going to be overwhelmed, then maybe we could hire a bookkeeper and they can do books. You know what I mean? Like so,
0: it's right. You got to be big in order to be able to scale, right? Totally, totally. So, so do you ever have anybody? Uh, is it the church is ready to go now? It's all uh, it's operational. No, 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 gosh, no. <laughs>
1: We've got so many. You got probably another six to eight months. Like you know. Put it this way, the basement was like, had been finished paneling circa 1970s basement style, which is yeah. fine for a church basement. Yeah. But it hid all kinds of stuff that, you know, they tried to fix over the years, right? And, and it wasn't even up to code for us to use it because you can't have paneling. So we had to, you know, eventually decide we're going to gut it. So it's literally back to 1884, dirt, rock walls, and it's, and people come in and like, whoa, this is a big project. I'm like, thanks for the reminder. You're right. Yeah. It is a big project. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the reason I asked that question is, is that I'm, I'm curious as to how you're, I mean, I mean you're a marketer. You're very good at that. that parts of the how are you going to the? oh, this is really wacky to me. It's a church because of all the statues and someone that were there to making people feel comfortable that, no, it's just a really cool freaking building that was a church. Have you yeah. thought about that? Yeah. So
1: the one good thing I would say in terms of so it, so people feel welcome and don't feel necessarily isolated is that the the stained glass is not, I'll call it overly religious. It's actually pictures of saints, just their yeah. names. And right. then um, obviously uh, there's Jesus and there's there's Mary, but they're considered like, they're almost presented more like historical figures as opposed yeah. to lots of messaging. Uh, right. The church, we were, we were, they were, they were gracious. They, re, re, we, we, gave them back the cross that was on the top of the church. So, right. so you know, it's it's becoming more of a, you know, less of a branded, you know, from the past, it's starting yeah. to, it will take on its new brand, but it will have throwbacks to what was there before. So yeah. we're gonna try to respect the history, but at the same time, uh, and, 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 and appreciate it, it's because it's beautiful art. Like these windows, Degos windows are incredible paintings yeah. that you would see in some European museum, you know, so. Cool appreciate that, but at the same time also create, like, blend the new in there at the same time. Because yeah. the cool part is church really was about collecting the community. Totally. This is yep. still going to be about collecting community. It's just going to be yep. a climbing community.
0: Yeah. It's, it's So think about those days when David was younger, he was going to church. and you now we wanted to climb up all the walls and all the pews anyway. Now <laughs> you're creating those atmospheres to those kids that want to do that. Well, well you yeah, know,
1: yeah. a lot of, you know, your parents might be like, Rivers, did you go to church this Sunday? And now you can say you did. <laughs> you went to church,
0: exactly. <laughs> I love it. So that doesn't stop there, my friend. You then went on and you brought back in what you're very good at, which is mentoring, coaching, connecting, educating, whatever you want to call it, and created this organization called Market Swell, I think is uh, is what it's called. Can you... We're, we're kind of heading towards the end of, of our journey of our conversation. One, there's so many lessons that came off of this. The second one, sorry, the last one, by the way, what we just talked about is, take a look at that innovation with that building. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're challenged with something, just try to look at things differently, like a church. I did wanna ask you this, the insurance companies, you must have interesting conversations with them, with them as you're building your companies.
1: Yeah, though I will say that uh, the good news is, I guess, the area of the venture park business and the climbing business have both been around for enough a lot of time that yeah. they are actual packages. So you're not, right. you're not blazing yeah. new trails. Though I will say insurance has gone way up. And I don't yeah, know if they're just using the pandemic as an excuse or whatever it is, but yeah. it's gone like phew, skyrocketed. Um, yeah, and for yeah. no reason, it's not like all of a sudden there's more incidents. Nope. It's just, they're just like, okay, reset, time to, Make up for some lost time, but
0: I yeah, know. I, you know, I, I mean, you, you know, this time last year, gas was fifty cents a liter. and Now it's a dollar sixty for whatever reason. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's frustrating, but it's a necessity in order to do the business. So yeah. we're back to markets. Well, can you can you talk about? I mean, talk about that need that you identified. And I think it's always been there. I'm always an advocate. Is that we really need to teach entrepreneurs more about selling and <clears> then getting investors. Not necessarily getting investors and then selling their products or services, and so marketing is one of those voids in the, in the marketplace that I think really can take advantage of the type of, of uh, organization that markets well. So, can you talk about that? What that what the pain point is that you're serving, and uh, what's what's a little bit of the background on that?
1: Well, I think you kind of you kind of touched on it there. Really, it's. Um... You know, often uh, startups are started by technology founders, right? So they they uh, they think of a a, a way to solve a problem, which is fantastic. Um, But often the reason why a business survives is because it found it finds a way to reach customers and solve problems. You know what I mean? And do it at scale. Uh, And often the the two ways it does that is yes, create a great product, but you have to find a way to reach them and, and have the right strategies, and that's marketing. And you have to be able to sell, which is a combination of where marketing and sales kind of work together. And a lot of startup founders don't really have that appreciation. Let's say they went through an engineering degree or a science degree or oh, right. something. Like they haven't got mm-hmm. the background. Doesn't mean they're not capable. There's amazing capable engineers that can do all that. It's just they don't have the background have that. Right. The other issue is that, um, you know, you took a. Did you take a business degree? You took a business degree, right, or yep. commerce? Yep. Yeah. So. How, can you remember your product management course that you
0: took? Oh, I can't remember Dick all. I got an MBA <laughs> also. I got an MBA. <laughs> no, no. Well, my we'll education came after my education.
1: Uh, well, put it this way. I don't remember a lot of the courses. I do remember like, the fact that there was no product management course.
0: Right, okay. <laughs> okay?
1: And I'm pretty don't sure there wasn't no one for answer, you either.
0: No, I don't remember it either.
1: No, and I bet you there was no sales course either because I don't remember nope, taking definitely sales definitely not sales course. No, not a sale at all. There were marketing courses. There were advertising courses, but there weren't like product management courses. There weren't sales courses. So, and honestly, marketing, like a lot of marketing, and it's a lot to cover, grant, a lot of ground to cover. They don't quite like most of the startups around here are B2B startups. They're not B2C. B2C tends, there's a lot of B2C startups or business consumer startups down in like the Silicon Valley area. You often see a lot of, you know, like those, like the social network companies and all that stuff. But most of the companies in Atlanta Canada are B two B when it comes to startups, and you know marketing for B two B is almost like a hybrid between sales, really, like because it's, it's based on relation. You know who you're dealing with. There's typically a short list. You know it's B two B. It's not like millions of people. We're talking about thousands or hundreds, and literally it's relationship building. It's building. It's, it's a totally different beast. And so, number one, there's a lack of marketing talent, leadership talent out there because it's just hasn't been like that pipeline created in the university necessarily. Right. Not a lot of B2B necessarily background stuff either. And honestly, just, you know, there's the startup community is growing so fast, there's just like everyone's kind of stealing from everyone. You know what I mean? That way. So the the idea that you're going to be able to just continue to steal from one another is never going to solve the problem. And you're always going to be impeding the growth of startups if you don't find a way to fill those roles. And by the way, it is not a fill the role after like the third round of financing. Oh yeah, I guess we need a marketer. They should be there at the beginning. You should be baking this stuff in. We just had these lessons we were talking about on this. Uh, So it's got to be baked in from the start. And the problem is there's just not enough talent. So it's not going to grow on trees, literally. So you're going to have to grow it. And so the concept of MarketSwell was, let's create an accelerator cohort program that you can have your marketing leaders that you said, this is the person I want. They've got a ton of potential, but they literally need mentoring. They need to be accelerated in terms of their being able to think at an executive level or you know, strategically or how it all fits together and, you know, from product to building community to building demand to you name it, like all across the board, building culture of an organization. Right. So that's really where this, the, the need came from. And it was like, okay, well... The crazy part was, had I thought of this idea two years ago, video calls like this didn't really exist. No, totally. <laughs> right? So a cohort would have been, oh, okay, you've got to put people in cars. they got to go to a specific spot. They sit in the classroom, blah, blah, blah. This time, literally, I've only met one of my cohort physically only because she happened to come to TimberTop and I went and saw her, made a purpose of going to say, hey, how are you in the trees? I've never <laughs> met anyone else. It's all been virtual. So... Yeah. You know, people, the core members have been Halifax and, and St. John and Fredericton and even down like in Newfoundland and down into uh, Denver. Like it's okay. all over the place, but they all generally have, they all have Atlantic Canadian roots. They're all Atlantic yeah. Canadian based startups. And, and is that on purpose by you? Well, partly because, I mean, I'm here. I know that community it was easy. I knew the demand. I knew a lot of those CEOs, so they would know me and they'd know people that if they didn't know me, they know people that right. knew me. So it's really right. kind of getting started. And honestly, uh, you know, this is the home team. I'd love to get started, give the home team a bit of a boost, right? And get, okay. get it going. Um, but honestly, you know, as a virtual thing, it can be from anywhere, really. So, yeah. Um, so it really comes down to it's like, it's a combination of almost like a, take a MBA, executive MBA, smash it together with one-on-one coaching, uh, smash it together with it's like strategic consulting and smash it together with like a cohort, like a, a world Bikini Institute kind of cohort, bring right. them all together. And the idea is to, I work, I'm like a coach on the ice. I work side by side. We have a list of things we want to cover off in B2B marketing, but I'm not going to force feed it. I'm not going to say this is the topic right. every week. And we go through a curriculum. I'm going to say, what's the current, what are the current problems you're dealing with right now? And let's use those as teaching moments bring in my experience, we'll bring in the structure, we'll talk about it, cool. we'll work together on those problems side by side, and we'll resolve stuff and improve stuff in the business as we go, as we're teaching. And then at the same time, we'll do like master classes and cover three topics a week as a cohort. So the cohort it starts to get to know each other, and they're common things that each one of them want. So we'll kind of talk about them as a group. And, and the idea is that at the end of it, the cohort also has um, all of these other members that they can start to communicate with and get support from. And we build a bit of a community around marketing. And it's, it's, that's, it's been great. They, they've kind of all come together, they've gotten to know each other. And now, with the next cohort, probably starting in January, uh, they'll be kind of like the newcomers, but they'll kind of be also be accessed to the same cohort. So we'll build up this movement of knowledge and, and support around building startups and accelerating.
0: Around that, around that conversation about marketing. So you've you gone from startup seller to that's we do marketing. That's our yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. So so I can really see that it's a, it's a it really is a representation of similar to the Wallace McCain uh, cohort that that's happening. But again, with that uh, with that singular focus, how are you feeding uh, how are you feeding the your your pipeline for for uh, market swellers? It just you just reaching out and saying this is what I'm doing. The elements of the program. Do you have one of your team that want to play a role? Is it viral? How do you? Really- yeah, it's,
1: it has mostly been, I guess, word of mouth and then articles covering it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, when we announced it last year, I already had like three CEOs that kind of part of the came. To, they just kind of like I was talking to three different CEOs. They all have the same problem. I'm like, okay, yeah. I can't go and like consult directly. If I do it for one, then I'm not helping the other one. So like, how do I create a program so I can help them plus maybe or more people yeah. and do it in a scalable way? So, um, but then literally word of mouth, got I've got a, you know, I've got a, a pipeline of a whole bunch of people that couldn't do it last year, but yeah. probably want to do it this year. Plus just other people hearing it word of mouth and say, Hey, can I be on the list? You know, all that kind of stuff. So honestly, in the next month or two, I'm going to have to reach out to those crew and say, you know, what do you think? Are you ready this year? Does it make sense? Have you found some people want to be in the program, but they haven't found their marketing leader yet? You know, so you know, so I think there's that. What's interesting too, there's there was also we're also exploring the concept right now, and I don't know where it's going to go, but um, there's another organization that focus has been focusing more on sales, and their uh,
0: magazine. Well,
1: Chris, yeah, Chris is doing fantastic stuff. He actually was one of our guest speakers. He's been doing great stuff, with With um, UNB, but somewhat different. But the idea of maybe creating another track, a CRO track, a chief revenue officer track, um, and maybe finding ways to scale it up even more because it's not just about marketing leaders. There's all kinds of marketers we need for startups. So,
0: yeah, and and salespeople. That's so brilliant. I love it all around. Um, Two questions left. you're only allowed to get one piece of advice on marketing and then someone's going to tell you you can't speak ever again. What's that <laughs> one piece of advice that you would give? Oh,
1: that's a tough one.
0: It's, it's not a skill testing question. <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: and you're like, I have only minutes here. Okay, so I, I would say that on the B2B side, it's about... um. Often it's about really spending time with customers um, and getting to know them uh, and anyone else in the industry that's passionate about that stuff. So finding your community and learning about that community and what is driving where they want to go and being part of that and helping to accelerate like the vacuums of new kind of approaches of solving this and making sure your product can fill that vacuum. Like so it's really a demand gem kind of field, but so many people do not, especially on B2B, do not think about the idea that you have to find your community globally. And if you do that, everything just falls into place. Most startups, they just ignore that. And that's, that's yeah. a big mistake.
0: It's a huge mistake. I remember when I was working with O&B, the, uh, you know, we brought the business model canvas into play. The right side's customers. The inside or the left side is engineering and the amount of entrepreneurs that led with engineering don't even having these conferences conversations around customers blew my mind away blew my mind away and spending thousands and thousands of dollars without having a conversation with a customer yeah last question is of course uh, people are are leaning in and saying, man i want to hang out with this dude what's the best way for them to (laughs) connect with me is linkedin your go-to what's uh what's the the focus for connecting
1: hanging out well that would be on a a climbing wall in in about eight months
0: (laughs) Or up in
1: a tree, up in a tree (laughs) in about two months. (laughs) Literally hanging there with your gear. Yeah, no. Um, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I guess reaching out, if you want to connect on any one of these ideas, um, you know, you can easily find me on LinkedIn, fire me a message. It's usually the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, collaborations, interest in any of these types of things. Uh, Again, I. You have to be thinking outside the box in order to try to accomplish all this stuff. So I'm always open to listening to potential other ideas or working with other people to solve things. So, for yeah. sure, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you're brilliant, dude. And I, you know, like I who was I to think that it was just going to be 40 minutes? I love hanging out with you. You've always been kind and hanging out with me, giving me your time, giving the community time, and uh, just keep on rocking. I'm, uh, I, I just blessed to have you in atlanta Canada, let alone in New Brunswick. So. Appreciate all you and Mary Glan are doing to to drive the spirit of entrepreneurship. So, thanks dude. very much. You so. know, thank you, dude. We're <laughs> going to be in touch for sure. All right, thanks, Rivers. See you later. Good time. Cheers, man. See ya.